Hold on to your butt. I'm quite surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Welcome to it. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. And alongside me this Monday evening, because Troy is out with back surgery. Oh, so I'm just a backup? Yeah, Baron Coleman. I didn't know I was a backup. I usually do Mondays with Troy, but he well, I knew that back I, surgery. I thought maybe you elevated me to starting position. You no, know I think you are starting position. But you're a busy man. You got your own show. No, I wouldn't be starting but for back surgery. See, you know, and every time you come around here, I don't think Montgomery's ready for us to be doing a show on the reg. It would be a little nuts. It's the biggest request I get. Yeah. Is yeah. to uh, do a regular show with Joey Clark. Now, if folks could see the environment right now with this music. No shoes. No shoes. You got your socks out. Here, let me take off my indoor-outdoor slippers. Well, we, we when we cut the lights down, we just have a single lamp on in the studio. Yeah, and then Daft Punk, Something About Us. I actually found this on vinyl. And of all places, books a million. No kidding. Yeah. You know this who had some good vinyl I saw the other day? Uh, Guitar Center had good vinyl. At decent prices? Yeah. I picked up a few. I picked up Meatloaf's Bat Out of Hell. Did you really? Yeah, from there. Yeah. Really I, good I stuff. I saw some good stuff in there over the weekend. Well, and you've seen... I've sent you pictures of my living room and yeah. our record set up. Like, we've got that stereo system going. Very nice. People don't understand. Like, with the record player, we have it set in what used to be called quadraphonic. But it's like two front stereo, two back stereo, really good speakers. We just sink into the couch and we'll listen to music, play games, play Forza. And I was telling you off mic, a video game turned me into a bigot. Yeah, you told me about this. Interesting story. Yeah, this is a Civ V civilization, Sid Meier civilization. One of the scenarios is into the Renaissance. And it's like competing religions at the time. And one way you can win is being voted Holy Roman Emperor or controlling one of the holy cities for several turns, or in the age of exploration, sending ships west. But as I'm playing it with my roommate, Andrew, somebody founds a city next to us. Mm -hmm. We're Spanish. We're the Spanish, so we're Roman Catholic. Right. And I look and go, that city's Muslim! Get them! (laughs) Get them! We get points! Man, you give people the right or wrong incentives, they'll do all sorts of things. That's right. you got to win the game. No, you don't strike me as a video gaming guy. I'm not. Um, I'm I, not really either. I, I, you know, I came of age with Atari and Nintendo, uh, mm. and then Super Nintendo was about as far as I got um, in my youth. And then through high school, uh, played very, very sparingly. College, not at all. In law school, uh, I think my wife actually bought me an Xbox at one point. Wow. So that I could play, I could play as the Colts. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a Madden then. Yeah, I got, it was, that's the only game I had. Yeah. It was the football game, and I played the heck out of it for about a year. And then <clears throat> kind of got bored with it, and I haven't really played a game since. I like Forza. Forza. If I, if I just, go somewhere that has Forza, I'll play it. We just got the newest one on the yeah. Xbox One. That's about the only game I can see myself playing right now. And it's so much fun. Like, yeah. the... 
the first modern car by most sports car is the BMW 507. Right. I think it came out in the 50s. You and just, it looks a lot like my car, the right. Z3. And it's so sexy. Yeah. So, but, and you can pick that up in Forza. You can get, like, early open-wheel racers yeah. like Maserati. and Oh, it's so cool. It's a lot of fun to play that game. Well, it's, it's, it's the one game I would sit down and actually play. Yeah. I, I, don't think, I, I don't think I could play Madden again. I certainly... Games are too complex now. I mean, you, you got to basically ignore your wife and children and, and not eat for two days. Right. You know, and, and then you run the risk of DVTs in your legs and, you know, you, you're, you're slobbering all over yourself. You got to do that in order to compete. I, I don't have that kind of time. You know? Yeah, I don't either. If I can't enjoy myself in a half hour, I have no interest in getting involved. Yeah, and well, then you probably would not like Sip 5. Yeah. Like, you, a game will, it will take you two, three days of actual no. play time to beat one of those things. No, you know, that, that, was, the, uh, that was the knock on risk and Monopoly. Monopoly and stuff right. back in the day, and that's, that's See, worse but, now. But Xbox Risk is so much fun. Is it really? Oh, I yeah, still, because I still like good old-fashioned Risk. Well, because you don't have to move the you know the pieces around. The computer just does it for you. Yeah. It does the dice for you. And oh, fond memories in college. Yeah. After growing something, um, <laughs> no, not pot. Oh, it was something else actually. Did you know? And this yeah. has nothing related to what I just said. That it's legal to buy magic mushroom spores. And grow them for scientific purposes in the state of Alabama. It's illegal to sell them. It's illegal to consume them. But you can buy the spores and grow them yourselves. Completely legal. And what scientific experiments were you young Joey's doing? Oh, we were seeing, you know, how it, how fast it would develop. How fast the spores would... Uh, Where would you go to buy these spores? Just... Online. Pedagogically. Online. Just online. Yeah, and for, you can and ship, for, them, ship them right into you. Yeah, for educational, scientific purposes. I might have to look into that. I might I might run a few experiments around Camp Coleman. Now, have you uh, you watched or listened to Joe Rogan on Oh, occasion? yeah. Uh, I don't listen as much as I did. He had on one guy about a month or two ago that has just stuck with me. Remarkable story. A guy named Paul Stamets. Mm-hmm. He is licensed by the DEA. And to study and grow psilocybin mushrooms. And in fact, he plays games and he laughs about it, like how many undercover cops have come up to him saying, I'll give you a million. So he'll just play with them for a while. Be like, well, it's going to be more than that. <laughs> and then finally go, I'm never selling these things to him because he knows they're undercover cops right, trying to get yeah, rid yeah. of his license. But he said when he was a young man, he had a terrible stuttering problem. Yeah. And I swear I didn't think I was going to be talking about psilocybin mushrooms tonight, but it's such an interesting topic with research going on at John Hopkins. Uh, all it, Universities across the nation, they're learning it helps people with depression. Oh, yeah. It, uh, they had a really cool experiment where clergy members from Protestant, Catholic, a few rabbis, they couldn't get an imam for some reason. Um, but They're no fun. They had them take a dose of psilocybin mushrooms in a controlled environment with music from their faith and had them beforehand say, meditate on your faith, your calling, and Every single one of these clergy members came out and said, number one, so-called dead doctrine is now alive mm-hmm. again. And they create more of an ecumenical appreciation for other faiths. They started to see how they had things in common with other faiths. That's interesting. Different denominations. Did they talk to each other while they were... Uh... No, they talked after. Okay. They had them kind of just like a nice living room. I, what, what I've heard is, and I don't, I don't... Again, I didn't know we were going to talk about this or I'd have prepared. I heard it sort of resets the brain mm-hmm. chemistry. Well, and this is why I want to go back to Paul Stamets. Yeah. This, he was a young guy, and for 
all of his childhood, he's had a terrible stutter. So bad that the only way he could talk to people was to shield his eyes and not look at them. Because when he made eye contact, it would up his anxiety and trigger the stutter. So he goes out into the woods one evening, and he has a bunch of psilocybin mushrooms. He takes, looking back, he says, more than just what's the so-called hero's journey. He took a lot. Mm-hmm. And so he's walking through the forest, kind of, you know, for those who haven't experienced it, your senses do kind of flow together. You're more tuned to things. And a thunderstorm rolls through. Mm. So not thinking, again, looking back, it's like, this is so stupid. He went to this giant tree in the middle of the forest, climbed up it, and the rain's coming down, lightning and thunder, and it's a terrible storm. But he's hugging the tree, and he sits there, and he starts saying to himself, stop stuttering now. Stop stuttering now. And he doesn't know exactly the time period. Time plays tricks on you when you're on those things. But the storm subsides. He comes down from the tree, walks back home, and he's in town. He sees this girl who he's had this incredible crush on for years, which before, I'm already giving the game away, but before, I mean, it's one thing to be anxious, just any stranger having right. eye contact but with But the him. girl. But the girl, the one who yeah. you put on a pedestal that you love. Yeah. She goes, hi, Paul. And instead of shielding his eyes, instead of stuttering, for the first time in his life, he looked up at her dead in the eye and said, hi, so-and-so, how are you? Mm. And he hasn't stuttered since. No kidding. That's a really amazing story. And it's a, it is something that it re-triggers or reconnects neural pathways, is what they think. Yeah. I, I, again, I've, I've I've read about it in very limited capacity. Um, you know, I won't go into all of everything I've read about it or talked or anything, <laughs> but. Um, I've heard it does reset the brain chemistry, and it can take somebody in a deep, dark, depressive state, PTSD state, uh, even you know some mental illnesses, and it sort of jars it back to what we would consider sort of baseline. Well, and this guy, Paul Stamets... For some reason. I don't know how. Well, and he studies it as a scientist. He hates that what he considers the most powerful, not only drug on Earth, but also one of the most powerful organisms, like mycelium, mushrooms, fungi... Um, he says it's a shame it got associated with the hippie thing. Yeah. He hates this idea of a shroom fest or magic. Mo- no, he thinks it's very serious. We're on the cusp of amazing things. And he suggests it's maybe even intelligence in nature, that a third of the earth it, of living things on earth is mycelium, is really? fungus. There are huge uh, com- deposits of it that are constantly changing and moving. And to make his point... So Japanese scientist took a slime mold, a type of fungus or mycelium, and uh, put it in the center of a model of, I believe, Tokyo. And it initially, and they laid out a path, all the potential paths, they laid out some oats. And what happened is the slime mold initially grew out to feed on the oats. And it was, you could tell it was kind of going exploratory, like figuring out what's all this area that we need to go. It shrunk back to the center and then grew out and created a transportation path on this model of the city more efficient than the Tokyo subway system really? had been designed. Huh. That's really interesting. It's crazy stuff. Well, I know that they've found these things, you know, miles long, yeah. underground, basically gigantic mushroom right. colonies. I don't know what you'd call it. And I didn't think we were going to get into this tonight, but that, yeah. that stuff, it baffles me. And I, I guess what I'm getting at is... If you just talk about these things in a scientific way, and also, like, 
you're a free human being. You can try what you wish. You can have all sorts of fascinating discussions. And it's not always great. I've heard people on so-called bad trips. Sure. I mean, they're bad experiences people have had. But it's a shame that, it's, no, it's just illegal. We can't talk about this. And I like that it's changing a little. Yeah, I think most of the bad experiences, too, are all dose-related. Mm -hmm. You hear the guy who had bad marijuana experience, you get down to the bottom of it, and he smoked entirely too much. Same thing with acid. You get down to the bottom of it, and the guy's taking, you know, hits of acid the size of, you know, professional deadheads. Right, well. Uh, well, he, of course he's going to have a bad afternoon. Right. I've never messed with that stuff, so. That LSD. I've yeah. never messed with that. That did scare me. Never yeah. decided to touch that. Uh, but I think it's hard to find these days. You know, when, mm -hmm. when I was in high school, it was everywhere. But the guy who was in, who was manufacturing, I think like 95, 98% of the acid for the whole country. Yeah. He was out in Nebraska or Kansas in some nuclear silo or something. They busted him. And, and and all of a sudden, the acid dried up all dried over up. the country. There was none to be found. Well, he was the guy. And it's one thing where it's a mushroom that grows naturally. Yeah. It's another thing when somebody's creating that stuff. I don't yeah. trust them. I don't trust them at all. And well, but when one guy controls 95, 98% right. of the supply, and it's not a drug you can cut because it's in blotter paper and you yeah. know it's there, it's in there... Um, it was remarkably consistent for decades. That's amazing. You know, uh, every other drug gets adulterated uh, to the point where I was working on a, uh, as a lawyer, I'm, for those that don't know, I also practice law, I was working on a case where a guy was, he'd gotten busted with cocaine. Well, you get the, you get the, he was charged with cocaine trafficking. Okay. All right. Uh, you get the piece of paper back from the Department of Forensic Sciences, and it tells you the percentage of the actual drug that's in the sample okay. it was zero percent cocaine <laughs> well there's a there's a there's a charge trafficking counterfeit substances that they could have charged him with but they didn't and so once the jury is sworn in and jeopardy attaches the case goes away what was it like because there's no set of facts they can they can present to show that this guy has cocaine was it like a pixie stick <laughs> no it's it's and this is you know it's oh, funny man. when you get these when you get these reports back from the department of forensic sciences most cocaine is Five to twenty-five percent cocaine, and the rest is an adulterated substance. Wow! Which is when you get with marijuana or acid or mushrooms, you don't really get well, that problem. And it hurts people. It's just, it's what happened with alcohol prohibition. There's you know the bathtub liquors yeah. and these sort of things. They were spiked. They had all sorts of chemicals in. Well, them. that's the thing with with heroin and opioids. Exactly. Right? Everybody's dying in the street. Sixty thousand people OD. A lot of it's fentanyl. A lot of it is is just bad drugs mixed with with adulterated substances. Well, if you legalize it. And you go to the CVS to pick it up. I mean, some people still do overdose on OxyContin, but it's a lot harder because right. you have a you have a standard dose everybody recognizes as sort of the dose. And if you go beyond that, hey, bud, you may die. Right. You know, unless you actually are trying to do that to yourself, or you're just irresponsible. You'll always yeah. have a bad drug addict. Yeah. But most people will say, okay, I can take 300 milligrams in a day. Once you hit about 250, you start easing back a little bit. You know, and. You know, because at 350, 400 may kill you. And, but when you're getting drugs off the street from some guy named, you know, Mookie or whatever, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a totally different scenario. And, and there's no way to titrate your dose because on some of this stuff, one little granule can kill like a whole community. Uh, uh, some of the fentanyl. Yes. Yeah, it's unreal. Yes. It, and it's scary. And it's a shame because they're cutting off people who got hooked on Percocet or By Oxycontin. design, by the way. You no, know, they are by design cutting people off. And people are dying because they go to the black market. They pick up something. And at the end of the day, I hear in their tragic stories, 
incredibly tragic. Like my son or my daughter overdosed. And like Eric Bowling has a video, the guy on Fox News, where his son overdosed. And he tells the story of finding out. And it's hard to watch without tearing up. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there is something I take it seriously. Self-responsibility. Nobody else decided to put that in your body. And if you really have an addiction problem, it's time to talk to somebody. Well, not hide in the shadows. In the in the seventies, eighties, when these drugs largely come online, the nineties, when people really they're training doctors on how to deal with people with chronic pain. And basically what they said is, you keep upping the dose until one of two things happens. Number one, the pain subsides. Or number two, the side effects are so uncomfortable, the patient says no more. Yeah. And then you then you dial it back until the pain either picks back up or until their side effects subside. And so you would start somebody, and I'm just using generic numbers, you'd start somebody at 20 milligrams every four hours. Then you go to 40. Then you go to 60. Then you go to 80. Then you go to 100. And all of a sudden at 100, they're like, I can't hardly breathe. You know, my respirate, and, yeah. and I'm getting bad side effects. And my pain is gone. So you'd dial them back to 80 or 60. You'd find that magic number, and you'd sort of keep them there. Right. And that's how they taught doctors for a generation and a half, two generations to practice medicine. Then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, they've decided being addicted to opioids is a bad thing. And I have yet to figure out why that is. I'm not saying healthy people should go out and get addicted, but if your alternative is life-debilitating surgery right. or, or something you can't afford or don't want to risk because you're, you get informed consent and they tell you, you know, there's a 10% chance you may never walk again or a 5% chance will paralyze you, or, and you say, I don't want to take that risk when I can take drugs. So I get hooked. Who cares? And you got homebound people that get hooked on these things. And the government comes in and is telling doctors, you can't get, you know, Nellie Sue hooked on opioids. Well, why not? She's 85 years old. She's not leaving the house. She's not going anywhere. This woman hadn't, she's, she's got debilitating back pain and hadn't walked in 10 years. Well, and it, it leads me to a general point. It got me going earlier today, and I didn't get a chance to rant on it. We always hear about the, what is the the civic religion, the the number one article of faith, especially in America, the, the democratic faith, not the party, but America is a democracy. And I know every time I say that, there are people out there. No, we're a constitutional republic with a democratic process. I'm like, yeah, that's the theory. <laughs> but where have you been since the 1930s? Mm-hmm. Where have you been when Reagan and Clinton? And Obama and Bush and now are the defending democracy abroad. It's it's an article of faith almost. So what is that number one article of faith if you believe in a liberal democracy? Small L liberal. What is it? The will of the people. Oh. That we represent the will of the people. We essentially have taken kings of old, emperors of old, the aristocracies of old, the oligarchies, whatever, whatever you want, to, the theocracies, whatever you want to call them, and we've replaced those leaders with the people. In yeah. America, the people rule. My general theory is that power not only corrupts kings, monarchs of all stripes, queens, men or women, emperors, empresses, theocrats. It corrupts even the people. And what's so funny to me is that the will of the people shall not be questioned, yet the people are somehow so wise to elect enlightened representatives, yet those representatives have to turn around and control almost every aspect of the people's lives because they're too stupid to run their own life. So they're smart enough to vote people in, but they're not smart enough to actually run their own life, separate from the law. Well, I've always heard, go, go to your high school class in your memory. Yeah, there were 500 people, 450 people in my high school class. But take the middle student. Yeah. 
you know, and, and I remember who the really smart kids were and who the really dumb kids were, but the middle students also, you know, I don't think were that spectacularly impressive. I don't think they had a good grasp, or probably to this day, have a good grasp on government and political theory and right. managing resources. I know what they do for a living. I'm not particularly, you know, blown away. Um, half the people that are voting are stupider than those people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's half the popular. That's half the electorate are stupider than the middle the middle guy in your class. Well, and what what made me really push back? And from if the you're desk? the middle guy in the class, I'm not calling you stupid. Right. I'm just saying, you know. I, I don't understand anything about global nuclear thermal war or whatever. Like how would it actually play yeah, out? Yeah, I don't understand and, all that. And you I just know it's bad. I, I know it's I know it's bad. I'm the but, same way. But why do I get a vote on on somebody's plan on global thermonuclear war? I don't have a clue about it. Well, and if you actually look back at the U.S. history, that's what the Electoral College was supposed to be. Well, and I understand you and I have a, a fancy, and we enjoy reading about economics and yeah. things like that. And on a macro and micro level, we can we can bandy about theory. But do we really understand the hundreds and hundreds of trade alliances that are going on around no, the world? No, no, no way. So why do we get a vote on it? <laughs> well, and also, I mean, I'll put it this way. Even the people setting up those agreements, yeah. running central monetary policy, yeah. running foreign policy, the dirty little secret is they don't even know what they don't doing. know either. It's a shot in the dark. How? Who in the hell knows what's going to happen with North Korea? Nobody does. <laughs> exactly. You try your best. It's a shot in the dark. Hopefully it's not a literal shot in the dark. Well, but that's what I'm saying is in, in a democratic system, the will of the people, as you were saying. Mm, uh, paramount. It, it, yeah. I mean, it, it matters because they do have a say in our system. And I guess that's a better system than a monarchy, but I'm not always sure. I, I think it is, though, you get weird... Um, I think weird things like Great Britain and the United Kingdom, where it's still technically a monarchy, and then they gave up the power and they have all this ceremony. Monarchy. Yeah, it's now a democracy. But it's it's interesting how those things come out of a you know essentially an empire. You now have it being more demographic or democratic, not demographic. My, My guess goodness. is, if it was a monarchy. They wouldn't have Sadiq Khan be the mayor of London. Right. right. I can assure you. I, that. Well, I agree with you there. Because, the, the, you know, the Germans have run them from since 1066, essentially. Yeah. Uh, the last Anglo king was Harold in 1066. Uh, they've not had an English person actually lead that country since. They've had French and German leaders exclusively since. Um, the Germans have, have basically ruined their own country. Uh, I, I just don't, I do not understand what's going on in Western Europe, nor will I ever. It is crazy. And, you know, I was telling you over the weekend, I was reading up a lot on China. I think it's inevitable that China will rise. Um, and the conversation, I think, should be how do you manage that rise? Uh, how do you make it the best possible deal for the United States? Um, but here's the, the reason I bring up democracy and the will of the people and all that. Is all this coming out, like the story over the weekend about the data mining with the Trump campaign and, yeah. and using Facebook or, what is it, Cambridge Analytical mm -hmm. or something like that? Uh, but then there was a story that the Obama campaign used the same stuff. And there's all this thought of, if you control all the information channels, you can manipulate people. And the people were manipulated into an ignorant position. I'm like... You act like this is new under the sun. Really, this 2016 was the first time the American populace voted out of ignorance. Give me a break. <laughs> it's what people said after Brexit. They didn't really know what they were voting for in Brexit. People vote all the time without knowing what they're voting for. This, Whether you, you either like democracy, 
pockmarks and all, or you don't. Now, I think there's a lot of selective, if my team doesn't win, then the will of the people isn't hurt. It, it's almost becoming, in my mind, as absurd as, say, the divine right of kings. The way people appeal to it, and another interesting fact in this day and age, with the rising China, with the revisionist Russia, with Iran starting to uh, vie for hegemony in the Middle East, it's interesting when you listen to their rhetoric. Like what Putin in his state of the nation says to the Russian people, what Xi Jinping says to the Chinese people, it's the People's Republic of China. Putin talks about we need representation and freedom for our people. Rhetorically, the West has won. Now, have they actually won? And in my opinion, I don't know what the United States stands for anymore. Go on. Just keep going. I think especially with in regards to China, China's going to go, wait, you've created this liberal international order. And we now have risen up, and we have a big enough economy. We get more shares, more votes, say, at the IMF. We get more say at the UN. And now that we just happen to grow, you're saying that we can't participate in this liberal international order in the same way you did for decades? It makes me think that that international order wasn't all that liberal. It wasn't about rules. It was about control and advantage to the United States. And now that your advantage is going away... You want to change the rules. You want to change the game. And I'm, that's just the argument they will make. And I think it's a damn good argument. And here's my point of view. I'm a big free trader. But NAFTA and TPP and what the hell they were going to do with Europe and the way Europe, the EU, runs trade between all the European nations, that's not free trade. Yeah, you'll never get free trade, ever. That's the United States wasn't founded on free trade. It's never had free trade. You will never get free trade in this country. Well, the world has never had free trade. Go back to the Silk Road, they didn't the have free trade. The closest we got to it was uh, after the Corn Laws were repealed, with Britain and the Empire. Well, and, but, and I think also in the early United States history, and this is what I love about it, you could have rules. There's a lot of smuggling going well, on. Well, because... It was the, easy to do. The borders weren't easy to enforce. Exactly. You know, a, a, a boat rolled up on the coast of Georgia, and those criminals down there, they weren't going to report to Washington, D.C. what they had just taken off the boat. Um, but, but here's my point. You know, you know what free trade was? Hmm. You know the last true free trade? Piracy in the Caribbean. That, honestly, that was free trade, you know. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll roll our stuff over to your shores. If, if your pirates pick it up, well, so be it. But, you know, th you had government-sanctioned pirates roaming around attacking oh, and sacking. Privateers, yeah. Yeah, sacking the, the trade. And, and that's all the United States is. Nothing's changed. Well, the United States government exists. Yeah. And you get down to the base of it, the United States government exists for the private profit of a few dozen or maybe hundreds select corporations around the world who need the United States to keep trade routes open and to keep markets open. Yeah. And that is it. Yeah. You and I, the 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 you know, they'll they'll satisfy us by acting like they're there for us. The United States government is not there for Joey Clark and Baron Coleman. Except in the sense that we buy the market hmm. that they're keeping open. And we're buying the goods that ride on the trade routes that they keep open. That's it. Why do we have why do we have troops in 150 countries? Because we need to keep those markets open. We need to keep relative geopolitical stability around the world yes. so that a few hundred corporations can do business around the world. And the United States is the world's market police. That's it. And once China takes over in that area and they no longer need the United States... And in my opinion, they will. Well, then the United States dollar goes kaput. 
Because the reason it's the dollar that's dominant is because we are the ones that keep the trade routes open and the market stable. Yeah. Once we're no longer there, the dollar's no longer there, we're a third world country. We don't produce anything anymore. We, don't, we do not produce enough food to feed this country. We do not produce enough manufactured goods to, keep, to take care of this country. We certainly don't produce enough textiles to clothe this country. Right. And so once the dollar goes kaput, where are we getting all this stuff? See, but wealth isn't just created with material resources and end products. Mining, manufacture, and agriculture. Yeah, but if you take all those into, say, somebody's GDP, it's not just the raw resource that means you will be wealthy. It's how dynamic your economy is, how free it is for you to trade. I'm not talking even for. Well, yeah, like because within, Venezuela has greater resources potentially than Exactly. When you have, I think wealth is actually created when you have sound, clear property rules. Yeah. And that's where China, I think China will have a day of reckoning. They're going to have to figure that out. Yeah. They're not going to have a consumer economy like the United States until they figure that out and stop with all the central planning. But it's, here's my overall point why I got into this, is whether it's on the democratic creed or free markets and free trade, the United States talks this big game of we're the hero of the world and we believe in freedom and representation for all people. And yet when you get down to how they actually govern, it seems a bit hypocritical on its face. And I hate to be that guy who's down on America. No, I love what this nation is supposed to stand for. And I worry that because we have perverted what it's supposed to stand for, other people around the world are going to look at us and go, yeah, y'all talk a good game, but you sound just like our dictators calling for freedom and for the rule of the people. Mm -hmm. It just worries me. The United States needs to definitely stand for something, not just in big talk, but actual action. And how we actually get there, well, it's a shot in the dark. We don't actually know. Mm -mm. We'll figure it out, though. Man, this mood lighting. I love this lighting. It's gotten me in the mood. In fact, when I don't have a guest... Leave that, leave that there. When I don't have a guest, I'm going to use that. Man, this is nice up here. Yeah. Folks can't really see it. But. No, but we don't have any exterior windows. You can create that mood at noon if you want to. Mm. I mean, as long as the sales staff... And, and hopefully the sales staff is out selling during the day, so that leaves hopefully. us here alone. Hopefully. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Come back. I'm not sure what we're going to talk about on the other side of this. But I didn't expect mushrooms and world trade, but here we are. Likewise. But we'll figure it out. Listen to Joey Clark Radio Hour. Baron Coleman alongside me. Be right back. I will share with you. I need you more than anything in my life. I want you more than anything in my life. Joey Clark. I'll miss you. Too long. Joey Clark. Oh, welcome back. Too long. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour alongside me, Baron Coleman. This is Staff Punk Discovery. It's been much too long. I feel it coming on. The feeling's getting strong. The song is too long. It's been much too long. I feel it coming on. The feeling's in my bones. It's been much too long. Feel it coming on The feeling's getting strong It's been much too long I feel it coming on The feeling's in my bones Can you feel it? Too long Can you feel it? 
I kind of like this song. Can you feel yeah, I like I've this song. I've never heard this one. You've never heard this song? No, I've never heard this one. Can you feel yeah, it's the last one on this uh, album. Maybe I never made it to the end. It? Yeah, it's some great stuff. And they have some, like, build here with actual instrumentation. Yeah. Comes in. I like this. I like this. Just this this vocal affect mm. he has is kind of Michael Jackson X with mm. the... <laughs> at the end of it. I like that, though. Shamone. Shamone. Mm. <laughs> but I'm, I, I can't feel it, actually, Daft Punk. Uh, we need to carry on because the song is too damn long as well as being named too long. But it, actually, have a call? Oh, yeah, Frederick. Really? Yeah, Fred gets into the emergency drawer soon. It's kind of late, so who knows what we're going to get here. And for folks who can't see the setting up here, man, oh, this is hot. we're grown and sexy tonight. Oh, this is nice. Just a single lamp, Fox News on in the background, talk about sex. Well, we could cut Fox News off. I mean, I don't care about this show. Oh, well, let's, let's go to the phones and talk to Fred. Uh, uh, after that conversation about 7.02 this morning, there is no emergency drawer. There has never been an emergency drawer. <laughs> I have no idea what an emergency drawer is, sir. What emergency drawer are you talking about? I've got a I hammer and some nails. The one down in Rick's office. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Joey, you got to put Baron on the eighteen, man. It, these are the best shows you do to me. For me. Oh, for me. Frederick. Well, I mean, what else are you going to... Laugh thinking about your own research in the uh, psilocybin uh, area. And, <laughs> I didn't uh, say I'd researched it all, my friend. I have, but oh. you know, but <laughs> not recently. Not recently for any DAs out there listening. <laughs> uh, and then get to really thinking about the thermonuclear thing. You know, really think about it. You know, and then get mad thinking about the wing wing taking over the dollar uh, as world currency. <laughs> what do you call the remembi? The wing wang. I don't know what the Japanese currency. <laughs> I had a friend that went to China and he did a whole radio show on wing wang. No, and, okay. and, um, um, uh, bartering in, in the little markets in China. He he didn't remember the name of the currency either at the time, so he just threw the term wing wang out there. That was very funny. Anyhow. <laughs> Yeah, all those emotions in, in just a matter of 34, 35 minutes. Man. Unbelievable. For well, me. and Fred, but here's... And I hear what you're saying. I think it's fantastic. I'm enjoying myself tonight. Uh, but I learned from a very wise man named George Costanza, leave them wanting more. <laughs> well, there you go. Hey, you I, talking I, about T-Bone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got a point there. Costanza. Um, Anyway, man, I, I really, I, I, I did the show with y'all both on there. And I was going to call you this morning there and that 702 stuff, but I, I got scared and I hit my phone. <laughs> <laughs> put it in the freezer. Oh, the microwave. That's, right. That's where you put no, the microwave. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I was just going to holler at y'all folks, man. It's, it's really, really, really entertaining. I enjoy it. Thank Appreciate you, it. I walked into a guy's office one day <clears throat> and I walked in. There's this industrial silver microwave and he said put your phone on the microwave I was like what? And he's like is that an Apple Watch? I said yeah he goes watch two I was like really? he's what? like yeah put it in the microwave he, he is convinced that the microwave and, and I've looked into it I think he may be onto something the microwave can stop the signal from going in and out of the phone hmm. it shuts the phone off Right. so if you put the phone in the microwave and you call it it doesn't it goes straight to voicemail and so that was his way of making sure nobody was listening in through your phone. Wow. Put the phone in the microwave. See, I'm I'm just 
resigned to the fact that everything I've done is out there. and Everything. Everything. Everything you've looked at, there's a file on you, it's deep and it's thick. Just don't ever run for office. Well, just don't have shame. You're like, oh, you looked at this online. Yeah, I've been single most of my life. <laughs> what do you think I was doing? You're the weirdo and the pervert for being interested in it. I'm not even that interested in it. <laughs> I was just bored. <laughs> yeah, it was halftime. Right. It became a personal goal of mine. A challenge. I had 17 and a half minutes before the second half kicked off. <laughs> what else was I going to do? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I've gone a little blind. But I'm... <laughs> But I'm going to have surgery to fix that. The eyes. It was a good-looking German shepherd. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> that was for friends. Oh, man. I've been thinking about George Costanza now, and I I relate to that character. I relate to Larry David so much. Oh, I love Larry David. I was watching an interview with him. They're like, were you a happy-go-lucky kid? He's like, yeah. For how long? I was like 12. It's like, what happened when you were 12? Uh, They dropped. And I I started to be interested in women. I want them, but I don't know how to get them. And it's been misery ever since then. Another great line from him is like, no, I never date a friend. And if they were a friend, once I start dating them, they're not going to be my friend anymore. It's like I didn't date girls in high school because I'd have to see them the next day at school. (laughs) (laughs) Larry David reminds me, and it may just be that New York culture, but he reminds me of a... A more modern Woody Allen character, like what he Woody was Allen, influenced by Woody Allen, was he? Yeah, because he he reminds me so much of him that that yeah. if Woody Allen had lived thirty or forty years later, yeah, at the same age he'd be Larry David. And I don't think Woody Allen's that much older than Larry David, but he acts so much older. He does. Woody Allen at thirty acted like he was sixty-five. But there's that one moment, the uh, the coffee moment, where George Costanza goes on a date, and the girl says, oh, you know. You want to come to my place for a little coffee? It's like, nah, it's too late. I don't drink coffee this late. Yeah. He drives home and he realizes, oh crap, coffee wasn't coffee. Coffee was sex. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've had that happen in my the life. The coffee moment. Like Joey, come, uh, come up to my. We'll hang out in my room. We don't have to watch these closing ceremonies. I'm like, what are you talking about? We it's gotta the closing stay here. Ceremonies. It's the closing ceremonies. <laughs> then I go up the elevator and there's that girl just kind of. Wrapping her fingers on the mm-hmm. barrister. It's like, oh, going up to the room wasn't TV. <laughs> I wasn't just playing hooky from uh, the closing ceremonies. Yeah. No, yeah. I, that's happened so many times. I'm oblivious. Yeah, it's but, a lot but, of fun. I mean, other than a memory, what'd you lose? Yeah. Ex- yeah. You know? Not much. Yeah. So what difference? Well, I mean, I could have probably married her, but you never know. Man. Yeah. Don't think in that way, Joey. Do you want to marry the girl who invites you up instead of watching the closing ceremony? Actually, I do. This oh. particular girl, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> she's quite the catch. And she's yeah. been caught. Lovely girl. Um, now, let's go to the phones. Blind here. <laughs> Blind. Speaking <laughs> of. Yeah. And who's this? You're on the air. Well, good thing you already had a surgery. In this case, it do go blind. <laughs> What's I up? guess. I got a few more days to go blind, and then, you know, the surgery yeah. happens. Well, I didn't want Baron to be wrong today. He says calls breed calls, and you know, since one call come, I'm, I might well call him. You know, I told man, you so. calls yeah. breed calls. Yeah, people yeah. don't believe that, but, and they start thinking about it. You're right. <laughs> but uh, going, what you talking about earlier about the drugs and stuff? Because you know, we all love drugs. Um, the, the, the weed they get, man, they getting it up to ninety ninety three percent now. I mean, it's 
You can huh? get, you know what I mean? The weed? Not, yeah, I mean, yeah, wax maybe, but not, not Yeah, that's what I mean. No, no, if you grow it in the ground right. and you harvest it, weed is weed. Well, yeah, and it's like, yeah. 20, I mean... Uh, Through genetic blending, you can get better quality, and you can tamper with soil quality and... Yeah. But but I think what he's saying is they, can, they the way they process it now, mm. with the waxes and the dabs and all that stuff, you can really... People with too much time. You, 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 yeah, you can end up in the floor for real, probably. <laughs> I mean, and be blind. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to call and say, man, y'all, y'all, y'all have too much fun together. Y'all really do. No, we have a blasty blast. Yeah, blasty blast. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna get off here because call brief calls. I'm gonna get out of the way. All right, appreciate it. Love yeah, Randall's a good guy. He's always following us. And we've built up a little news talk family here. Oh, I said the, I'm telling you, the family is the part of this I never... When I started doing radio full-time, full I mean, when, when when it became something I did every day. I'd done fill-in work for a while and all that. But you don't get a feel for it until it's your voice yeah. on the air on a daily basis. Yes. And I had no idea how tight-knit the radio family was and would become around me. And to watch people I've known, like like 84, I've known him for close to 20 years, but to watch him then become best friends with people that have only worked here a year or so, who've been listening on the radio for a few years and been part of that extended radio family, and then watch the tight-knit community form up around there. There's just, you know, that I, I really believe that our parents and particularly grandparents found a lot of value in civic organizations. They would join the Masons. They would join the uh, Lions Club, the key, you know, whatever these little different clubs were. And that was their source of friendship, that in church. And if they they knew somebody outside of there, it might be somebody they sort of tangentially knew from work or whatever. But uh, Facebook has sort of destroyed all that. Yes. But the radio family has sort of transcended that Facebook in that they actually get together. They they talk on the radio and they go eat lunch together and they uh, hang out together on the weekends. They'll go they'll go catch some cocktails together at a Friday night or whatever. And it's just something I never saw coming. Well, and I didn't necessarily see it coming. I mean, you hear the intro to my show, Giving Voice to Liberty in Our yeah. Time. I thought I was going to do a mostly mainline libertarian political show. But as I started doing it every day, I was realized, number one, I'm just tired of doing that. Yeah. And number two, it's much more fulfilling because I am a bit of a hermit. I don't really go to church. It's fun to use an hour, just an hour, 48 minutes of talk time on the radio and get to know people yeah and just have some fun and essentially i've met people like seth spotlove gotten to know 84 better though i've got to question him coming back the last two times he's been on baron 84 yeah he uh he's talked about bull testicles both times i remember yeah. the one time twice yeah, he happened? brought it up again and now you've brought it up now yeah. i'm tainted oh crap now i can't bring it up again maybe yeah. that was my lead next time yeah but now that'd be twice in a row I'm on to you. You're stepping on my material. I'm on to you. Mm. Don't try to turn heel on me. <laughs> We've already buried the hatchet. Let's not go back to those days. Turn heel on me? What are we, in the 1870s? No, I'm talking wrestling, man. You know, don't try to get over by turning heel on me. I'll shut you down and go all babyface. Anyway, let's go back to the phones. 272-9228. Let's see who this is. You're on the air. Who's this? Sheep testicles and brains are very better. Really? Better than the bull? <laughs> What's up, Crawdad? I was just going to tell both of you guys what you just said, Barrett. Spot on. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes you guys help me keep my sanity, and sometimes you, 
challenge my sanity. (laughs) (laughs) But that was good words. Well spoke. Well, thank you. And and you're part of it. I I don't know if I've ever met Crawdad face to face. I've never met met in person. I I never never come out of the house. Yeah. I, I get out every now and then. But. Well, and that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, even people I've never met, I've, I've got a vision of what Crawdad looks like. I've got his oh, voice and his wisdom. He knows something about every topic. It doesn't matter what you talk about. He's no. He's got some, some historical point. It's just everybody, I could go on and name callers. I mean, there's 40 or, we tried one time to sit down and come up with a list of our 25 favorite callers, and we couldn't narrow it, narrow it down closer to like 45. That was as low <laughs> as we could get. And then you start thinking, well, I can't throw that guy out. He's got right. that, remember that dynamite call he had? And boy, he calls twice a week, and <laughs> and, and, and we, I couldn't get it down. 45 people that are regular callers, I could not narrow it down lower than that. Greg still doesn't remember that when he first came on here, uh, I was one of the people that very, you there? Yeah. Okay, it clicked. I, I was one of the few people who, who spoke up about uh, some of the craziness. It, it threw me off to start with. I, I had been indoctrinated by the Mark Will, you know, way of doing things. And uh, I kind of I kind of brushed Greg the wrong way a couple of times because of the farts and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, but then he gets under your skin. He grows on you. He yeah, sure does. He does. Anyway. Good show, guys. I appreciate it, Crawdad. Thank hey. you, man. Uh, well, and it's um, it's something I'm going back to. And uh, Brandon, who was up here the other night, reminded me that I can't think of another place where I actually have a conversation with somebody for an extended period of time without looking at my phone, without... Well, you say that as I'm looking well, at my I, phone. I know. I thought of that, and you had your phone, and you're sitting there looking at it. But generally... You do this all the time, yeah. so I think. But most of like people in the building who I never would have had a chance to talk yeah. to come on the show, and you end up. People go, "What's the topic tonight?" The reason I usually don't have a topic is because it's fun to see where conversations go. Well, I like to have real conversations with people on the radio. Yeah, and that's why you know uh, Stan Cook came on. He's running for auditor. I like Stan? Yeah, I love Stan. I mean, I've known him for for years, and and I really do like him. But he uh, he came on, and he wanted to talk about his plan for auditor. Well, after about ten minutes, of course, I get bored with that because what a boring office that is. It I, is. I, you know, it's auditor. Uh, I talked to him for like 45 minutes after that about his life as a missionary, uh, the school he runs over in Bethlehem, and uh, you know his church got flattened by a tornado a few years ago and how, how they rebuilt from that. I'm far more fascinated with that stuff than I am who's going to be the... Now, he probably feels ripped off because he booked an hour of time, and I... I didn't talk to him about being an auditor, but... Especially with politicians. Like, I could ask you your platform, what you're going to do for a particular office, but if you really want to lead people, what is, let's say, a belly of the whale story you've gone through? Something where you went to the depths, some deep suffering, and how did that change you and make you a better person? It's a tough question. Not everybody's ready and wants to answer that. But I think that tells me much more about you than just your policy positions. And that comes into, like, if it's a particular office, I want to know what you stand for and what you're going to advocate for. But I also want to know people. I think it's much more important to actually sit down, get to know people. That's what it, I mean, every time I have him, we talk about faith. Father Carucci comes up. If yeah. you really want to change the world, don't run for office. Invite your neighbors over and have a meal together. Father Carucci is a, uh, a very bright, shining star on this planet. And he had a tremendous impact in Montgomery while he was here. He's down in Baldwin County now. Uh, he's he's not well. I don't know if yeah. you know that. He's yeah. he's not doing well. Uh, I think he'll 
pull through where he should. But um, you know, he he's the type of guy that you know if you if you could leave this earth uh, even even you know at, at a at a relatively young age and make the impact that guy made even at an old age, if you could make the impact that guy made. Exactly. I mean, and people—it's unbelievable. People like that, I just—I look up to. They make way more of a difference on this planet than almost any elected official in the state. And it befuddles people, especially people like, "Oh, you're an atheist. I'm an atheist too." I look at somebody like Father Carucci. I look at my own uncle, Monsignor Skinecki, and what they do for people is remarkable. And um, I wish I could have that effect. Yeah. Uh, Maybe I don't do it in the same way, uh, but. We can bring people together in that way. And it's not just, oh, we're going to have a good moment in a photo op. It's just see what the day brings. See what the latest guest brings. And I didn't expect to be talking about, you know, geopolitics and is American democracy actually all it's cracked up to be and psilocybin mushrooms tonight. That's what we talked about. That's who we are, though. That's where our conversations go. Yeah. Other people may talk about peanuts and cotton. Who knows? It just depends on what their background is, Could what, what interests them. Heritage pig raising. Now, that actually sounds fun. We'll do that next time. Heritage hogs? Yeah. It's a deal. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for joining Enjoyed me. Enjoyed it. Thank you all for listening. Tomorrow night, Dr. Don Murphy talking about China. Should be a intense show, a great show. Talk to you all then. Joey Clark. It's getting strong.